0: Hey there unconventional conventionists, thanks for tuning your dial to Time Warp Radio the Rocky Horror Picture Show Movie by Minute podcast, where with each seven minutes, we can make you
1: a fair... fair.
0: (laughs) I'm Haley Mervini. And I'm Katie Tomini. And we are your resident criminologists. On today's timestamps, we've got minute 4155 to minute 4804, and
2: beep, beep, beep. Meatloaf's ready. Meatloaf's ready.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll be continuing our conspiracy about the corpse of Charles Atlas. Mm
2: -hmm. Because
0: Katie, are you a muscle fan? I wouldn't say that I'm so much of a muscle fan. Are you more into his blue eyes?
2: I wouldn't say that I'm a Rocky (laughs) fan.
0: Ah, you're you're, you're you're, biased toward, toward the man of the hour. Oh, we love Meatloaf. Yeah, we're finding out what's been delivered for dinner in our profile of Meatloaf and his Elvis-inspired Eddie. Yes. It is a really fun section of the movie. I think this is probably, if people were not into the ballroom segment, of musical numbers uh,
2: they prefer the hot patootie big party scene I feel like this is when the party really gets started I feel like this is like at least for me personally this is where my little like rock and roll fantasy gets gets started
0: or it's where you get killed off <laughs> in literally one characters instance uh, but we'll get to it, <laughs> because he has a very interesting... Eddie is, like, intermingled with all of these people in a strange seven degrees of Kevin Bacon way. Yeah, totally. And uh,
2: let's just get into it. All right. So we are in the laboratory. Mm-hmm. We hear three loud beeps and a large, bright red refrigeration unit door is slowly creaking open it's falling like a drawbridge to reveal a wall of ice Mm -hmm.
0: and originally in the first edition of the script they were going to continue with what they'd done in the stage show which was have eddie being stored in like a coca-cola freezer Mm -hmm. um so they were gonna have tons of coca-cola bottles all over the place which I really like that because, like, let's say Eddie's been sitting in there <laughs> and he's not been, like, totally Han Solo, like... In the carbonite. Right. Frozen. He, exactly. He still is able to, like, walk around the refrigeration unit. It would explain why he's able to, like, stay alive for yeah, that period of time. He's got the Coca-Cola
2: for substance. <laughs> His
0: liver probably... Is destroyed if all he's been drinking is Coca-Cola, but I digress. And through this sheet wall of ice bursts an ice-frosted Eddie riding a Harley Davidson motorbike, ex-World War II, holding—well, not exactly holding—he has a saxophone strapped around his back. Mm -hmm. It was originally going to be a guitar, though. I associate Eddie so closely with the saxophone that I can't imagine him being like a guitar riffing soloing more of a honestly in that way he'd be more of a Buddy Holly
2: type if he's gonna be like see in my head I was picturing like a like a Van Halen like <laughs> but I think that's because I love hair metal so much.
0: He would have been early to the trend if it were in that
2: case. He would.
0: He would it would be like... Uh, Ten what, years early, yeah. Right, it's like Marty in Back to the Future. Yeah. He creates, he steals the idea for, for blues music yeah. and invents it 20 years early or something. Anyway, uh, the refrigerator is interesting to me because... It's keeping Eddie alive instead of, if Frank only saw a purpose of using his uh, thinking brain, why didn't he just kill Eddie? Like, he had an idea that there were other things he could possibly do to Eddie, use Eddie for, Yeah, that he didn't immediately dispose of the guy.
2: Well, and he's, like, frozen in there, but he's still alive, like a lobster. Because, you know, lobsters can be frozen, and then when they thaw, they're still alive. Lobsters make me sad Same. on a whole other level. But he's, like, like a little lobster They just in the
0: live freezer. their lives, like, chilling in a tank, and then all of a sudden, they're, like, cool, going into another tank. Fuck, this is really hot.
2: <laughs> and then that's
0: just it for them, those poor lobsters. <laughs>
2: Like Eddie's like the lobster, because if you think about it, they froze him in the freezer. They pull him out, and they're going to cook him for dinner. Yeah, they were literally like, keep him chilled. We don't want the meat to spoil.
0: (laughs) And this motorbike that he enters on, it has a spray-painted USA 619028 on it which seems to correlate with the Hex color code. Um, And it just looks like the color that the bike has been painted. Yeah, it's kind of like
2: an olive green color. So it looks similar to what the color of the bike is. Which is a funny, like, I think it's like
0: a set or a production designer, like inside joke of like, we had to paint this bike this color. LOL, we're going to literally write Pantone. Pacific blue on the side of it you know (laughs) and there's also a skull sticker on the front like hub that matches one of Eddie's tattoos. Yeah the one on his forearm it's that little funky skull. Did he um get that one permanently done or did he also just draw it on with a blue pen?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think Eddie loved his bike so much that he was like Man, that logo that I have on the front of my bike, I'm going to get that on my arm. It's like the guys that are
0: like in love with their 1950s Chevy and they're like, I'm going to name her Darla and then get Darla tattooed across my
2: heart. (laughs) And then it's just the car. Yeah. (laughs) We did also find out that there were two different bikes used for that filming section uh so there's the harley davidson wla which is like the beautiful classic bike i looked it up and i because i knew nothing about motorcycles me neither. so i looked up a picture of it and i was like oh so like the classic harley davidson like it's gorgeous it's classic looking it's also the kind of bike that if eddie were trying to live up to a
0: stereotypical rock and roller biker fantasy Like,
2: he would buy that bike. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then the other one that he was using, that they used for, like, the shots where he's riding around the lab, was a Kawasaki KZ900. Uh, It's actually also the motorcycle that's featured on the cover of the album Bad Outta Hell, which he was working on during filming. Interesting. Yeah. So then he probably, like, he carried that
0: Eddie with him because like even you see meatloaf now and maybe he's just so himself in the characters that he portrays or Eddie He's, he's brought a little piece of them with him or just like every role is Eddie after that because he's just like this funny like huge character that's big and loud and only shows up for a number And you remember him for the whole movie, the whole rest of the thing. Like he's totally one of those character actors (laughs) that is identifiable to say the least. Fair. Also in the original script, they had this refrigerator door open to crush some of the like Transylvanians, I guess, that were observing the creation scene. But could you imagine that? Oh my gosh! All of a sudden, like people are getting crushed. They just get splattered. (laughs) Or like, could you imagine if Frank and Rocky right now just like (laughs) crump, like movie over, done. (laughs) That riff and Magenta are like, cool. That was faster than we expected. (laughs) Can you guys leave now so we can go home? And Frank does the silliest noise ever.
2: (laughs) Ah, ooh. super bizarre like (laughs) exclamation
0: columbia on the other side of the room who's been hanging out with brad and janet and riff and magenta she lets out this the shrillest
2: highest pitch shriek (laughs) 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 so she has like this big like ham moment where it's like just over the top emotion
1: Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. she's
2: in complete shock and surprise she totally forgot he existed until all of a sudden he's breaking out of this ice wall and it's almost
0: like she had no idea that he was in the deep freeze or like maybe not necessarily that she's even been missing him like you've brought up the idea of him dropping off deliveries she might have just not been expecting to see him tonight but in the stage show how uh we are revealed to eddie columbia happens upon the deep freeze door and opens it and like you're in here what whoa (laughs) so that's why she exclaims that she can't believe she found him but we get his name right off the bat. Oh, yeah. Before we even actually see him,
2: actually. I think that we get introduced to Eddie faster than we even get introduced to Brad and Janet, honestly. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Which immediately endears us to this character.
0: We appreciate Columbia's reaction to him like
2: she didn't react to him the way Janet reacted to Frank
0: yes. for example so
2: it wasn't like a scared reaction it was like total joy and elation
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: so we can trust that he is human for sure <laughs> yes.
0: if we're like finding out who he is right off the bat that he's even though is a total sh- sh- surprise to us
2: we're not um, threatened by him. Yeah, he doesn't have the cloud of mystery surrounding him that, like, Frank does, for mm-hmm. example. hmm And Brad
0: goes to kind of follow Columbia, and Janet's like, where do you
2: think you're going? And just <laughs> latches onto his arm. Riff and Magenta are kind of standing off to the side and just monitoring what's going on. Because yeah. remember, they, in the back of their mind, they totally have this plan of, like, yeah, we're gonna get out of here, we're gonna go home, so... Uh-huh. I mean, honestly, Honestly, it can be undone. Yeah,
0: we're we like watching it unfold. Richard O'Brien hates that they didn't press that button that's under the alarm or that one of them didn't manually open the door. He hates that it just falls open does it on its own. I like to think that riff knew how much power was going to be needed for the experiment to take place Mm
2: -hmm.
0: he knew it was on the same power grid as the refrigerator on the other side of the door he knew that having to reroute all of the power into the sonic oscillator like hey if it malfunctions well, well let's see what he plans on doing with that if he's so smart
2: yeah you know? Let's throw him a curveball. So again, another cut lines from the original iteration of the script. Eddie, as he's coming out, says, stay cool, baby.
0: (laughs) Which coming right out of a freezer is like chef's kiss. (laughs) Janet says, who's Eddie?
2: Riff says, the delivery boy.
0: To which Magenta says, his delivery wasn't good enough, though. Oh, spicy, spicy. I like that this gets cut to just, right off the bat, I don't think um, Janet needs to interact with Riff and Magenta. No. I don't think Riff or Magenta would be interested in holding a conversation with Absolutely anybody. Absolutely not, no. Like, and that they're giving exposition. I can see in a stage show mm-hmm. why it's important, but... I'm I'm good with how it's cut. Although, it does give good character insight of maybe why he gets executed. (laughs) Like, is he not delivering
2: on the drug deal? See, whereas my theory is he didn't deliver Frank that dick. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, Frank wanted Eddie. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Eddie was like I'm good yeah because okay I've been
0: on this thing of if Eddie and Columbia are kind of surrogate Brad and Janet characters Mm -hmm. that maybe Eddie was experiencing the same bisexual questioning that Bradley J is Mm -hmm. but as we get into the lyrics of Eddie's song I don't Think eddie is gay i think he's like a confirmed heterosexual and he's yeah. like proud to exclaim as such you know
2: mm-hmm.
0: if that those lines had transpired janet would have fainted again because girl can't take a deep breath or not lock her knees
2: yeah or she something. needs I don't to know. like get it together just a little she bit. might
0: be anemic like at this point I'm concerned that she's fainted four times over the course of the last I don't know 45 minutes (laughs) and guests in the gallery start screaming and scrambling as we fast zoom into Eddie riding forward breaking the sheet of ice he puts his kickstand down we kind of hear the music kind of start to rumble in the background and the Transylvanians on the observation deck all tableau it made me think like they're trying to become statues among the like other statues in the room
2: yeah because they they're all very dramatically posed mhm mhm
0: they're first terrified of him and then they realize like oh he's i think they recognize him i think they're f- afraid of a sudden surprise guest maybe invading on their alien activities And then they realize, oh, wait, no, we recognize this guy. This is that Elvis impersonator that (laughs) we've been listening to his eight tracks out in Transylvania. Because they all kind of, they stop, they're waiting to see if it's okay. Eddie takes off his sunglasses and helmet, tosses them to the floor.
2: Also, quick peep on the background of that shot. (laughs) The interior of the, like, ramp that is formed from the refrigerator door falling down, it's leopard print. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Eddie is, like, the grooviest dude, honestly.
0: (laughs) Well, why'd they put wallpaper on the inside of the... Like, what is Frank doing? Like, why does he think that belongs there? Unless it was, he was storing Eddie there and Eddie has been alive in there and has created, like, a holding cell
2: of sorts, because... Potentially,
0: eddie loves him his leopard print
2: oh yeah he's got the leopard print on his lapels Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he used the extra to wallpaper that (laughs) fridge door i don't know man it's
1: hilarious frank left him
2: in there with crafting supplies
0: (laughs) this is kind of the first time we're seeing any reaction out of the transylvanians um that is not measured they're getting a little bit into the groove and uh they weren't surprised at Brad and Janet's arrival. Mm-hmm. Um and even when Frank and Verder was singing Sweet Tea, they were like, Ooh, fun. We like we like Wow. But this they're like a fan of. They love this oh, music. Yeah. <laughs> and Eddie has so many props Did yeah. we get all of them.
2: In this frame, right here. We've got the sunglasses, we've got the helmet, we've got the saxophone, we've got the motorcycle handlebars. It's just so many things that come into play for this character who is literally on screen for like five minutes. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) mm
2: -hmm. And they're not necessary. Mm -mm. I will say,
0: I have particular memories of seeing Eddie's come on with you know, a bike handlebar that they've taken off of a thrifted bike and they've taped a flashlight to the front of it. It's an entrance that's meant to have an impact. And like Sweet Tea with that spin and reveal, Mm -hmm. like Columbia's reaction has to befit something, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. But you don't need a saxophone. I've seen folks with like like pool floaty saxophones yeah. that they like inflate <laughs>
2: and that works. There's also like dollar store cheapy like mini plastic saxophones that I've definitely used before. Uh-huh. And they're the hilarious. Show. It's so fun. Yeah, I love them. Eddie gets off that motorcycle.
0: He does a woo! woo! spins around. And there <laughs> he is, folks meatloaf the the man man himself the man with only
2: one name (laughs) he actually has like three different names though (laughs) so he was 27 during filming he was born marvin lee a day but actually later changed his name to michael but also just goes by meatloaf or meatloaf a day so he has many names wait 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 he goes by meatloaf a day
0: Is he telling me the only way to keep a doctor away is a meatloaf a day? Absolutely. So doing the research this week, it's so hard to look up a person that is also... The the, name of food. Yeah, and like, God, I got so hungry. (laughs) I found so many five-star recipes that just... (laughs) I considered, you know having a cooking lesson on the episode today, talking about the best recipe I could find on meatloaf. But his mother was a school teacher and a singer in a gospel quartet, and his father was a police officer who ended up becoming a businessman selling homemade cough syrup.
2: Yeah, so what it sounds like from what I read was his dad was in the army during World War II, okay. but was injured from some shrapnel okay uh, and then when he was home he joined the police force and became an alcoholic um, to deal with his pain so that's yes. really unfortunate but it seemed like there was not a good relationship between him and his father at all um his him and his mother were very very close though that's so interesting though because it
0: informs his, character in pick a destiny Mm -hmm. like totally that must be his dad oh yeah totally a military guy who doesn't understand why he's interested in music and but then a mother who is a soul singer like meatloaf is soulful oh
2: yeah
0: in his speaking voice any any interview you hear him, he sounds like uh, a good southern Christian boy <laughs> that sang in a, in a gospel choir growing up. Like, yeah, totally. totally.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, he started acting in plays in high school. Uh, his first few were Where's Charlie and The Music Man. And he actually got his name Meatloaf from his high school football coach <laughs> because of his weight, which, <laughs> like, hey, man. <laughs> Talk about owning a name and meatloaf
0: this man (laughs) like hey and it it was from one person kind of
2: giving him a giving him a hard time almost it seems but you know a picked on nickname yeah Mm. i don't know maybe in football you're like supposed to be beefy yeah that too so maybe it was like a positive nickname and it like was associated with good things for him like he's like a meathead yeah like he just like worked out a lot yeah you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't, sports, so like. Sports? What? Uh, Who? Could be, could go either way. Who's sports? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and after high school, he went to college in North Texas and isolated himself entirely for three and a half months after his mother passed away. His friend found him in this like depressive state and took him to the airport and put him on the next flight to LA. Which, talk about a good friend. Seriously. Like, you can't be here anymore. You need to get out of this place. And also recognizing his talent, like, sending him directly to L.A.
2: Hey, buddy, get out of here. Go live your best life away from the place that is making you feel this way, like you need to go into isolation. Yeah, like oh my gosh. After arriving in LA, he formed his first band, originally called Meatloaf Soul, uh, but then ended up becoming Floating Circus, and they had a couple other names. They kind of went through a few different iterations. Uh, they were immediately offered three recording contracts, which they all they turned down all of them. Hmm. Uh, they ended up opening for Janis Joplin, The Who, The Fugs, Grateful Dead, like. Anybody you can imagine, they were, like, hitting it totally big. Then he was like, you know, I want to act. Yeah. Basically. I, I don't
0: know why he would, unless he ultimately did want
2: to be an actor, and that's also part of why he came out to L.A. Well, I mean, he was acting in high school. That's true. He, I think he found his, like, true passion in, like, theater. Because you can do both. Yeah. He could be the fully rounded performer that he is,
0: um, because after all of his success with Floating Circus, he joined the L.A. cast of the production of Hair. Look, there it is again,
2: folks, Hair.
0: Hair is everywhere. (laughs) Hair there, hair there, hair everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And in December of 1972, he was in the original off-Broadway production of Rainbow at the Orpheum Theater in New York. Then he was in the right place to
2: to reprise Hair this time on Broadway. In 1973, he was then cast as Eddie and Dr. Everett Scott in the original Roxy cast of the Rocky Horror Show. They split the role for the film,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I think that's smart because it would be confusing for Meatloaf to show up <laughs> after we've seen like so many other confusing things to happen. Yeah. I don't think audiences were there yet. It's like too much of like a Freaky Friday, Parent Trappy thing of now I have to keep it straight that he is not the same person as who we just saw him as.
2: But he was so bummed. Meatloaf really wanted to be both in the film. Mm -hmm. He actually said that (laughs) him not playing both roles made the film not as good as the stage production, (laughs) which I think is really funny because he was so (laughs) invested in playing both of those characters, which is cute, man. He loved it.
0: So Meatloaf rarely does any kind of appearance at cons or reunions. Um, He sometimes will show up to sing Hot Patootie, um, but sometimes he'll also perform
2: it at his shows. But that's like super, super rare. Like if you see Meatloaf do a live version of Hot Patootie you are top-of-the-game Rocky Horror fan, a number one. You know, like, it's, like, it's super rare to see consider, him actually do it. Consider if you want to
0: record it on and, like, post it online, or if you want to just, like, stand there and be Bas- absorbing glory okay. Yeah, absorbing it. Because <laughs> yeah. it's... He's a character. Oh, totally. Boy. And while he was working on Rocky Horror, the film... He started working on
2: writing. No, he was he was like recording and recording. stuff too. Yeah, he was writing it and recording it. He started just uh, overall producing the album "Bad Out of Hell," mm-hmm. which didn't end up being released until about 1977. He was really shopping it around to see which uh, company would give him kind of the best release deal for it because meatloaf was already a pretty big name coming from floating circus mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. knew floating circus so it was really exciting for meatloaf to be putting out an album and meatloaf was the kind of casting
0: in this movie that jim sharman was trying to get like swindled into upping the budget to cast more people like meatloaf Mm -hmm. and more american rock and roll performers yeah But he's an anomaly because he was, like, a rock and roller before he decided to do Broadway stuff, and then he was really more of a Broadway casting into the film, which is more in line with, like, Barry and Tim and all of the other...
2: Yeah, exactly. ...male castings, at least. So, fun fact, from Bad Outta Hell, one of his, like, big singles, Paradise by the Dashboard Light, uh, he actually convinced Lou Adler to run the music video for that song as a trailer to the movie meatloaf decided to leave his
0: theater career in the past in uh 74 but he ended up being drawn back in by the national lampoon show lemmings as an understudy for john belushi
2: yeah so john belushi and him were really close friends and john was actually the guy to be like no really like you're such a great performer, you should really come consider doing this show with me. I think you would love it, blah, blah, whatever. I think that's so cool that John Belushi and Meatloaf were like BFFs. It's so... I see it, though. Because Meatloaf Same. is totally an alternate reality blues brother. Oh, yeah. Totally. After taking his step back from theater and focusing on his music, he really just hit his stride. And Meatloaf has... An insane musical catalog. Mm -hmm. After Bad Outta Hell was Dead Ringer, Midnight at the Lost and Found, Bad Attitude, Blind Before I Stop, Bad Outta Hell 2, Back Into Hell. Back Into Hell, (laughs) Welcome to the neighborhood, Couldn't Have Said It Better, Bad Outta Hell 3, The Monster Is Loose, Hang Cool Teddy Bear, Hell in a Handbasket, and Braver Than We Are. And he's still (laughs) writing music to this day. That whole just paragraph
0: of album titles needs to be expanded into a treatment like of a of a film or of a of a, like
2: stage show because it is i believe he does have a stage show of his like music meatloaf is forever forever and honestly i could talk forever about these albums because there is so much content and so many amazing songs but this isn't a meatloaf podcast so (laughs) i'll just leave it at the album titles you can do your own research yeah
0: if it was i would have said that recipe that i found
2: (laughs) uh meatloaf can
0: also be seen in spice world as the girl's bus driver alongside the other rocky horror cameos richard o'brien and
2: hugh cecil I think that the Spice Girls were, like, totally in love with Rocky Horror. Like, I think that they were really big fans, because why else would they have three different actors from Rocky Horror all just do, like, small-ish roles in Spice World? Well, they're UK girls, and they
0: probably grew up with it. They probably went. He also, as I mentioned earlier, plays Jack Black's younger self's dad in Tenacious D and The Pick of Destiny. And also as Robert Paulson in the movie Fight Club.
2: His name is Robert Paulson. His His name name is Robert Robert Paulson. Paulson. His His name name is is Robert Paulson. Paulson. (laughs) That
0: is probably, if I had to rank all of my favorite callbacks, that floats among the top three. Oh, it's so good. Like I love Oh Shit, We Missed the Bus. (laughs) And a bread, a muffin. A toast. (laughs) (laughs) But in Fight Club, his character gets, um, I I don't want to spoil Fight Club because we don't talk about that. We don't talk about Fight Club, okay? And he shows up and plays this character that you're like, what the fuck is Meatloaf doing in this movie? And then you end up sobbing your eyes out.
2: Yeah. For Meatloaf oh Um, it's a good one yeah if if you haven't seen fight club please go watch fight club
0: and that's all we didn't break the rules okay we didn't technically actually talk about it
2: we just said the name of it
0: yeah yeah and that his name is robert paulson
2: and uh i'm gonna do one last mention of an appearance it's the rocky horror episode of glee i'm sorry we had to mention it at least one time (laughs) in this show we've avoided it all this time we're seven episodes in. we had to do it once he's In the Rocky Horror episode of Glee.
0: Meatloaf has one stepdaughter whose name is Pearl and a daughter named Amanda. Pearl is married to
2: a guitarist from Anthrax. Scott Ian. Okay. Yeah, so he's one of the talking heads in like a lot of the uh, VH1... Like, you know, those, like, I love the 90s, I love the 2000s, whatever. Scott Ian did a ton of those as, like, a talking head. So he's also a pop culture guy. Yeah, totally. Cool. And Meatloaf states he has social anxiety, which, same. Like, who doesn't? But it doesn't seem so much social anxiety as, like, not wanting to talk about certain things. Because... On the other hand of that, he is very very open about his uh right-leaning political beliefs, mm. specifically a certain uh soon to be ex president of the United States. So, it would you know, be so awesome if he
0: could do the reunion stuff that now Tim and Nell
2: and everyone are doing because it would be really great to talk to him about his like theater career Mm -hmm. in general not even just rocky horror but like gosh he doing some background research on him I actually had no idea where he had come from what he had been through in his life and I have a lot more respect for the guy honestly Yeah, yeah I've always thought he was a fun rock and roller from the 70s and 80s yeah and he's so prolific and he's still making music which is insane to me. Mm-hmm. So if Rocky has
0: the left brain, mm-hmm. that would mean
2: Eddie kept the right brain. Mm-hmm. And we're making this assumption because the scar on his forehead is on the left side. Yes. So yeah, one would assume that they have removed the left half of the brain. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just look at that scar and I'm like, how did they remove anything from there? Like, the scar is totally cosmetic just so viewers who don't know who this person is that's just busted out of a thing out of nowhere, surprising us. Like, all of the other characters have just busted out of somewhere, surprising us. We see a visible wound to know that he's had some kind of surgery done and... Uh, If he's got the right brain, it explains why he's still musically inclined. Yeah. He's playing an instrument during the song. He's very
2: poetic with his language. The right brain is the side that's associated with feelings, imagination, rhythm, arts. He's definitely the more emotional one out of the two. Him and Rocky, um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, his solo number is an ode to his first time doing the do. Like, he's definitely the more reminiscent of the two. And he's singing and dancing all over the place. Mm -hmm.
0: Which, like, Rocky's character, he's, like, the strong silent type. Yes. And is way more associated with, like, the linear thinking of the situation. And it's funny because then he has those lines later of, like, you know, this isn't really making sense. I don't know if I can trust these people. Yeah,
2: his cut lines make him him out to be kind of the more logical, uh, factual characters, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. makes sense because he has the left brain, which that is associated with. And it would also make sense why Hot Patootie lyrically
0: makes very little...
2: Logical sense. Yeah, surface (laughs) logical sense. (laughs) So Columbia is standing uh, at the ladder of the deep freeze. Biggest, giddiest grin on her face. She's sinking her nails into her face from excitement. Yeah, she is so excited. <laughs>
0: and it's real emotion. Like, we've seen her kind of get irritated with the guests and kind of be a little sassy with Frank and Verder. But we haven't had any like anything past that surface level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that ladder... In this set exists purely for Columbia to be hanging off of right now. And then later for, I think it's Perry, is hanging off of the ladder when the motorcycle is running up the ramp. Mm -hmm. Because no character actually goes up and down that ladder. But it's so, it's a perfect like flat space for Columbia to just, you see her costume, you see her blue socks. Like, I love that it gives her a place to just kind of also tableau. And so begins
2: (laughs) 2D. Originally it was called Whatever Happened to Saturday Night. Which is interesting because, Mm -hmm. I mean, it is
0: the first line of the song. But if Eddie is truly asking... What, hap- what happened? Like, dude, where's my car? <laughs> what happened on Saturday night? Yeah. The lyrics and music are by Richard O'Brien with the musical arrangements for the film by Richard Hartley. It's interesting because it's sandwiched in between Frank's second big number.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like Eddie kind of interrupts. I can make you a man. Right. Yeah. Because Frank could have just kept going. He could have oiled up Rocky... Could have pulled the ropes then to go straight to the honeymoon.
2: But he had to wait because, you know, her from the freezer like a bat out of hell. Yep. <laughs> There's so much
0: lyrical dissonance in this song. It's like a companion track to sort of Damocles because it's a character that's just happily bopping along and casually singing about getting abducted and lobotomied (laughs) like (laughs) everyone's like oh this is such a great track instead of hearing the plea that the person is actually exclaiming Mm -hmm. and it indicates for me that both songs are from the same brain yeah and a cry for help yeah but why would they change why do you think they changed it to Hot Patootie? Why do Why do you think they made it more of a I think it makes, single?
2: Uh, I think it makes it a little bit more commercial mm, mm, mm-hmm. because it is Meatloaf, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. So by the time that this film really got big, Meatloaf was already like a famous musician. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So whatever happened to Saturday Night isn't as catchy of a title as Hot Patootie. I think, in my personal opinion. So I think that they kind of wanted to make it like a little bit more commercial of like Ooh, hot patootie by Meatloaf. Which we all know is slang
0: for a hot piece of ass. Oh yeah. Hot patootie. <laughs> the Transylvanians start to realize that there's uh process- ba and they're like, ooh, another musical act. Love cons with musical acts. And Eddie sings to them,
2: Whatever happened to Saturday night when you dressed up sharp and you felt alright? This song is in the style of, like, 50s rock and roll. Very Elvis Presley kind of, like, grooving. Like a cring. Gyrating. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's, it's more of a, a pelvis turner.
0: And he's kind of reminiscing a time in dating culture that like people went to sock hops and drive-ins and car hop diners and you had like the good old fashioned weekend and you would dress like it's Dapper Day at Disneyland and you'd go out on like a date like you reserved Saturday nights for if the cutie was going to give you a call. And ask if they could come pick you up and take you to for Lover's Lane. <laughs> yeah, it literally, like just to go to a makeup point, yeah. even. He also talks about dressing up sharp, which Rocky has just said he was dressed up with no place to go. Mm-hmm.
2: Another parallel between right. the two, for sure. Yeah, like we're Eddie, just continuing to draw up more and more. Of like these are the same person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was
0: Eddie going to
2: the castle to pick up Columbia for a date I don't know why you're so stuck on this Columbia being at the castle before Eddie I think she okay they probably got there together
0: he continues doing his delivery and now Columbia has found all of her friends that she can do drugs with, and she stays at their house waiting for her boyfriend to have his, like, off day and <laughs> come pick her up. Maybe Eddie was dressed up. To pick her up for yeah, a date. was going to come pick up Columbia for a date and then okay. all
1: right. is
0: like, uh, I'm not in the same place that I fell asleep in on Saturday night. <laughs> Whatever happened? that because I remember we got ready to go on a date I don't know if like Eddie is kind of being with this song if he's kind of being like a surrogate for the people in the 70s that were the greatest generation and who naysayed the free love movements of the 70s and who are like Well, whatever happened to when you would get dressed up and you would call (laughs) a girl and you would talk to her mother on the phone before she allowed you to speak to her daughter (laughs) and we would meet the young girl before you would get in the car and drive off to whoever knows where. Like, in the 50s and 60s, parents and adults did not like kids starting to explore their sexualities at all ever period, the end, yeah, but especially not when they were troublemaking teenagers. you know. The camera pans with Eddie as he continues to move toward rocky horror. He makes a direct beeline and Frank's in the background, unconcerned, like he's like, oh, I forgot there was that was the loose end. I forgot to tie. dang it.
2: <laughs> He's
0: kind of just, like, standing there with his hands on his hips.
2: At this point in the song, he doesn't seem concerned with the fact that Eddie's here.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's just kind
2: of seeing how it goes. Yes. Eddie continues. It don't seem the same. Since cosmic light came into my life, I thought I was divine. Okay, so cosmic light could mean a few different things. Yeah, so my first instinct was cosmic, meaning, like, outer space. Yeah. aliens (laughs) does Eddie know that Frank is an alien I mean his uncle is Dr. Scott Dr. Scott and Frank seem to have this connection did his uncle tell him do you think Eddie was a spy maybe (gasps) Ooh, that's interesting because cosmic is a little too on the nose for me yeah like cosmic is directly tied to outer space
0: If anything, he knows they're aliens and likes and indulges in their lifestyle. Yeah. And it's like a light in the darkness for him. Um, But you
2: had a different interpretation when you first read through it.
0: I thought like, like they call it like a, like a twilight light when you're coming out of a surgery and you or when you're like going into anesthesia and you get that like that halo, bright light of the surgical light that's over you, yeah. And that being maybe the last thing Eddie remembers seeing is like looking up and seeing
2: the surgical light from like the the paint mixer, mixer. <laughs> yeah. yes,
0: the thing that made Rocky a man, yeah, um, or even just like any other surgical light if he was put onto an operating table. And knocked
2: out, knocked unconscious. Totally, I think that that's also like very viable as cool a potential meaning. Thanks, <laughs> I like that.
0: And but I like how, with your interpretation. He says, "Came into my life and thought I was divine." He's saying to Rocky and to Columbia and Brad and Janet and everyone listening, "It's cool that I met this guy." I thought it was the real deal. I thought he loved me. I thought I loved him maybe. I thought we were good buddies or e- or even like the people that think they've been chosen to be abducted by UFOs. Yeah. Like he thought he was chosen and the divine specimen <laughs> when but, really yeah. he was just a sacrifice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Frank does not like Eddie talking to Rocky, which, but he still doesn't do anything. He's still, like, observing the experiment. He's seeing what's happening with the two brains being so close together. Like, <laughs> we, we've never had success on this level before. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to want to start making out with each other. Because if you ha- separate two halves of a brain... I like the idea of them wanting to... Come back together. Yeah, re and in the sense of if they're physically two separate bodies, deciding to be one person and... Origin of love style.
2: <laughs> yeah! Two halves put back together. Yeah! Ex- exactly. Exactly. I see where you're going. And Eddie says... I used to go for a ride with a chick who'd go. So... Funny thing about this song in general, there are a lot of words packed into this very quick melody, and Richard O'Brien originally wanted to play Eddie himself Mm. because he didn't think anybody else was going to be able to sing the song. Spit the lines out. Because it's so much content in this really quick format. (laughs) Yeah, it's... It's a lot. You have to... And Keep he like fell in love with Meatloaf because Meatloaf had that soul behind it, and he mm-hmm. knew how to get out these lines in a way and that came across. Notes. Oh, so good! We haven't gotten to the
0: notes, <laughs> his upper register yet. But he snaps and points to Columbia, like he like motions to her, like get over here. You know you belong with my arm around you. Yeah, like that kind of biker. Come over here, babe. You're mine. <laughs> She runs to him. He picks her up and swings her onto his motorcycle. He says, And listen to the music on the radio. Which everyone on the observation deck has started to bop and groove. They know and appreciate music. And now Eddie is directly talking about the influence music has had on his life. And specifically in this
2: one instance, I just had a light bulb go off. Tell me, so we see the Transylvanians in the very beginning riding in on motorcycles. Mm-hmm. They see Eddie ride out on a motorcycle, they're scared until they realize he's riding out on a motorcycle. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Did they go, Oh, he's one of us? Literally, just had that think, light bulb go and off, and they
0: think he's another Transylvanian. Maybe, maybe because okay, I thought that too. I thought motorcycles, the Transylvanians came on motorcycles. I was thinking like we later see Frank's fan merchandise room dedicated to Eddie. Is it Frank's? It's in his castle.
2: Well Columbia the lives room in Columbia the castle.
0: yeah is is in when she's singing Eddie's Teddy. But if Eddie is this like Elvis impersonator. And Dr. Scott is trying to make contact with alien species. And he plays Eddie's music sometime. Yeah. And says that it's Eddie. And he can play saxophone. And now all of the Transylvanians are Eddie's biggest fan. And they all ride motorcycles because they saw Eddie ride a motorcycle.
2: All right. Maybe. 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 I keep going back
0: and forth on it because
2: Yeah, it's it's a very weird thing because it's like they're really afraid until like the music starts going a little bit. Mm-mm-mm. But I'll I'll loop back around in a minute. We need to we need to think about it.
0: Eddie is like totally in love with Columbia. Mm-hmm. Like you can see it in his eyes. Do you think there's any possibility that the Transylvanians
2: trapped Eddie? I don't know if it would be, like, the Transylvanians as a whole. I think if anybody, like, trapped him, it would be Frank and Riff and Magenta. Okay. Because Frank and his henchmen. Mm-mm-mm-mm. You know? I don't think it would have been, like, all of the Transylvanians as a whole. They have their own stuff to worry yeah. about. <laughs> they're on vacation right now. Yeah, this they're is... at the convention. Right. This
0: is their weekend off, and they're going to go back to whatever Denton, Ohio, Texas... California, probably, like whatever Denton they're from. Eddie continues to reminisce. A saxophone was blowing on a rock and roll show. We climbed in the back seat and really had a good time. He's just saying like, wow, I love it when music makes me so horny that I just want to jump over the front seat of my car to try rounding second base (laughs) in the back seat, you know? he's also having so much trouble
2: controlling that saxophone. Oh, I know. So since it's like wrapped around (laughs) his body on like a sling almost, it just keeps kind of flinging all over the place and you see him like swat it back so many times. And it's a real saxophone.
0: Yeah. So it's like smacking him in the arm and he's still (laughs) high energy, still turning it up to 12. We haven't talked about the shadow cast stage directions for so, this scene
2: yet yeah so shadow casting this scene is honestly as a seasoned columbia my favorite part of the show um because this is the scene where you really have your other half <laughs> frank has rocky riff has magenta brad has janet and then columbia is just kind of all on her own until eddie gets there and that's Like we said, the first time that we get real emotion out of her. So you finally get to turn it all the way up. Mm -hmm. And it's so much fun. So Eddie comes out, usually stage left. Mm -hmm. Eddie comes out, drops his stuff, calls over Columbia, Columbia goes over, and then he loops back around to give Brad the saxophone. All I know is...
0: I stay pretty stationary. Like, Brad and Janet are well, are still observing the experiment taking place. Brad
2: and Janet aren't super necessary in this scene because the only, like, interaction that he has is shoving the saxophone <laughs> at Brad. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter where you're standing as long as you're standing somewhere that Eddie can get to you easily. And then is Rocky... So he is kind of with... Frank So mm-hmm. Frank and Frank and Rocky are kind of hanging out near each other mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then at one point, Frank will pull Rocky and put him off stage.
0: Take him off stage and then he'll Frank will also leave at one
2: point to go get the weapon mm-hmm. and usually leave stage left where the Eddie came out of the quote unquote freezer. Yes.
0: Oh boy. Eddie is so much fun in Shadowcast. Like, that is what picks the energy back up in the crowd. Because this is like, if we've started the show at midnight, we're almost at 1am, people are starting to get a little sleepy, but you have a motorcycle hop on the scene and start this huge high energy moment rock and roll gonna, saxophone solos like well, it's also gonna turn into watching two people doing like insane swing dancing yeah so eddie continues singing hot patootie
2: bless my soul i really love that rock and roll
0: he is pointing with so much energy to brad and janet that he's like shaking like you guys think this is a fun song and dance number but y'all need to listen to me while being pretty much like unconcerned with Frank hearing any of the warning. I think it's interesting that Eddie doesn't know Brad and Janet sees that they're new on the scene Mm -hmm. and is like, I need to warn them about these people. Yeah. The first time he sings the chorus Columbia is eating the rings on his hand
2: as an appetizer. (laughs) She's licking his rings, and she is just over the moon in love with Eddie. Like, cannot get her eyes broken away from him. Like, she is just one track mind focused on him. If he asked her to kiss his boots, she would. She would.
0: Yeah. And the second time he starts singing, they... Start doing the swing dancing moves that are frantic and messy. So high energy. High energy. They need to get it out of their system. It's like they need to dance right now. They have not seen each other in a week or however long it's been. And we need to dance with each other. Because Eddie's saying music gives people an excuse to at least start dancing. But we all know what some dirty dancing will lead to.
2: Yeah, nobody puts baby in a corner. (laughs) You know what? Looping back to your initial theory that Eddie is like a celebrity Mm. for the Transylvanians, Mm. the Transylvanians are all singing along and they know the lyrics. So maybe you're on to something. Okay. Because they already know the words.
0: Okay. What if Hot Patootie is a single that Eddie has put out
2: in his (laughs) life?
0: You know, that's just Eddie's number one hit. And... He knows the words so well that when he comes out of the surgery, he just starts spouting them off. Yeah. But yeah, the Transylvanians are singing along. They're dancing in various, like, so many styles. (laughs) They're ridiculous. They're, like, punch dancing.
2: Yeah. And. Like, doing, like,
0: a shoulder stimmy back and forth with each other. And mirroring each other's, like, facial expressions. Like, they're doing, like, mime mime posing all of this choreography is i love it it is david Tagori again building this environment and telling duos of transylvanians to have all of these different dancing types and styles like it really feels like a party with chemistry and character history like these people know each other so well um because they also just do those actors know each other so well (laughs) eddie wraps up the hot patooties bless my soul i really love that rock and roll by kicking the camera lens with a callback we love which is eat eat shit and
2: and die. die
0: which he's aware of the camera being there yeah is he aware of the
2: transylvanians observing him I think that he knows that the Transylvanians do observations because he knows that they're aliens. Cosmic Light, he knows they're aliens. He knows that they're there to observe humans. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Because he's well okay. So he's talking to Brad and
0: Janet, but a lot of it is directed like in the camera's angle. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't quite break the fourth wall as much as Frank does. But He is aware that he's being filmed. It makes me like the Transylvanian reality of this being like an episode of Big Brother. Yeah,
2: totally. Totally.
0: (laughs) And then being like, oh, what? Eddie is on this episode? Whoa! We weren't expecting to see him. Because he might be like the Elvis of Um, Transylvania. Yeah. I know I said it already that Frank has this room in his house that either Columbia decorated or he decorated like he decorated the rest of the house with Mm -hmm. things he is in love with which is like the human body and (laughs) busts and statue forms so maybe the
2: aliens are worshiping eddie maybe very possible during this little dance break that they have uh, peggy ledger says lovely party She's the same person who
0: says she always cries at weddings. Why is she having a good time at this party and not so good a time at a traditional Episcopalian wedding ceremony? What are Transylvanians saying about traditional marriage (laughs) ceremonies and customs? Like maybe she's saying like we need more dancing. Maybe it doesn't need to take place in a church. Maybe it doesn't need to be between a man and a woman. Maybe it doesn't need to be about a woman giving up her life, liberty, and happiness to become... Property of a man. A Mrs. Ralph Hapshat, you know? <laughs> as opposed to, it's like, this is a lovely party. Like, maybe the Transylvanians were invited to this party as a Frank's getting married, y'all. Yeah. Frank's finally getting his paradise. The Transylvanians were like, oh, this is so convenient. The two Denton events are taking place on the same weekend. Same day. Same day, in <laughs> fact.
2: Also, there's like a little red string uh, tied to the railing um, up on that little balcony area. For why? We don't know. Who, who knows? If y'all know why there's a red string, please let us know.
0: There's no way to find out. Eddie has finished his, like, dance break, sax solo break, and starts to direct himself toward, more specifically, Brad and Janet. He walks toward Janet saying, My head used to swim from the perfume I smelled. My hands kind of fumbled with her white plastic belt.
2: For me... This is, like, he is reminiscing about his first time. Yeah. He is in lust with this girl. Mm-hmm. Her perfume is making him drunk. hmm So he's, mm-hmm. you know, in over his head, stumbling over his words, fumbling with her belt. hmm hmm And
0: him talking about fumbling and being uncertain and inexperienced Yeah, is more support that this is him reminiscing losing his virginity and how intimate that is for him um he finally gets rid of that saxophone yeah he hands it to brad which like it like i think he even hits nell a couple of times with (laughs)
2: with that saxophone because it's just flying all over the place but like why brad my theory is he's passing the torch like you said Columbia and Eddie were the first Brad and Janet, or at least the last Brad and Janet, that Mm -hmm. came to the castle. Mm -hmm. So he's like, alright, I know I'm gonna die, so, like, you can take this thing now. (laughs) I need to give the saxophone to somebody. Yeah, I I don't have time. He
0: doesn't have a will written (laughs) to, like, you know, give it to somebody else. So, yeah, and I think it's also, like, the biggest, most inconvenient prop to have to hold that it's so awkward that he hands it to Brad and then that you know Barry gets stuck with it for the whole rest of the scene (laughs) just holding this big heavy saxophone
2: yeah Eddie continues I'd taste her baby pink lipstick and that's when I'd melt and she'd whisper in my ear tonight she really was mine
0: and he's remembering specific smells touches tastes like the entire specific experience of losing his virginity. And like he says, baby pink lipstick, which is expressly feminine Yeah. and youthful. Like baby pink is a color that no sensual woman, like women wear red lipstick. And we've seen the lips, we've seen Frank's lips, In red. Mm -hmm. So Eddie is saying like, no, he likes the soft, sweet, feminine things. They're finally kissing with tongue, I guess. And tonight is the big night. Finally, she's been talking about letting me maybe go all the way. And she just whispered in my ear. She's mine. We're going all the way, folks. (laughs) Eddie gets back in front and puts some hair oil on. Buddy Holly was singing his very last song. He had sex hair, so he had to, you know, get it re-coiffed um, <laughs> after hooking up in the back seat. Brad and Janet are, like, in their
2: early 20s. Sure. Columbia's in her early 20s. Sure. How old is Eddie supposed to be? So, he says Buddy Holly was singing his very last song, mm-hmm. which makes me think he's talking about somewhere right around the day that music died so the day that buddy holly died which was in 1959 Mm -hmm. so he could have been like a teenager in 1959 i'm thinking between like 30 and 35 like early 30s yeah
0: yeah i think yeah i think eddie's a little bit older because dr scott is also of a certain age so if Scott, Dr. Scott's in his 60s, it would make sense to have a nephew. Be in his 30s. In his 30s. Yeah. Yeah. Could be younger. Eddie could be younger. But if he's, like, reminiscing hearing Buddy Holly on the radio, he's also talking about his very last song, which Eddie is singing his own swan song mm-hmm. right now. Um, He says, with your arms around your girl, you tried to... uh." sing along <laughs> and I think he's just trying to get handsy. Oh yeah. TBH uh, He's serenading Janet, giving her the look, the up and down and she's like She's kind of going for it. Yeah, like she's more, I would say more into Eddie than she was into Rocky because Eddie is charming. Like you're, he's fun, he's energetic and Janet is, like, coyly batting her eyes at him. She's being a little flirtatious. And right in front of Bradley (laughs) J, Which he does not like. No. No. Brad is, like, very sensitive. Eddie continues,
2: It felt pretty good. Woo! Woo! Really had a good time. During this, Columbia jumps up onto him, legs wrapped around his waist and they start to do these um lifts almost we don't see all of them on camera but in the stage shadow casting universe we do three swinging lifts
0: eddie has his hands on columbia's hips and is just like flinging her wildly which i've seen photos of this moment in Shadowcast, and it makes me scared for a Columbia performers sometimes. Oh because... yeah,
2: I've watched a number of Columbias be dropped on their heads.
0: Oh my gosh, be careful. Yeah,
2: it's really, um, only do the lifts with somebody that you know can actually hold complete you
0: the up. the lifts. Who can complete the
2: lifts? There are alternatives. Yeah. <laughs> you can do other things. Um, one of the alternatives that I've done is just repeat the dance, the swing dance, from the previous verse. Or you can do kind of uh side to side so you're still doing like a a lift but instead of going up and down you're doing side to side and that's a little bit more doable for people who are not as well versed in the vertical lifts
0: eat a banana beforehand (laughs)
2: limber up
0: yeah do a, a couple minutes of planks if you're an eddy so, that you have the arm strength and you don't hurt your back or Columbia's back.
2: also seen an Eddie drop a Columbia directly on her heels instead of sliding her between his legs at the end. Uh. And um, she broke her heel bones on both of her feet. So, that was fun. So, practice. Please practice.
0: This is, at this point, a contact sport. <laughs> <laughs> you now have to coordinate this choreography. I with... would
2: definitely say that this is the most dangerous part of the show.
0: Yeah. So be careful.
2: Coordinate
0: with your Eddie and Columbia beforehand. This is not one of those where you, like, you know, sometimes there's like a toucha, where I'm late to the theater, and I know my Rocky, and I can go to him and just be like, hey. We're gonna just do like three lifts and then a, a drop right. That's what we'll do for touchcha. You can definitely fly by the seat of your pants. For that do not fly by the seat of your pants for
2: no. please for the swing please, pants. please practice. Don't injure <laughs> yourself or your partner during this scene.
0: Eddie is talking about really loving and enjoying sex. And not hiding or shaming his desires and singing it from the top of his lungs to complete strangers to Brad and Janet here I've just laid out for you how I lost my virginity and I hope you guys can understand how special it was for me because I'm remembering it so vividly right now
2: (laughs) the camera cuts to uh, Pam Obermeyer and uh, Stephen and Calcutt dancing. And then it pans over to Perry and Kimmy. Doing and, the punch <laughs> dancing. And then it cuts back to Eddie and Columbia. Uh, okay. He's just doing the lifts, throwing her around, tossing her like a football. You know, <laughs> casual. He then slides her between his legs and lies down on top of her on the floor. They're making out, Janet's rolling around. Watching. She... <laughs> Is excited that Columbia seems
0: so happy and like earlier in the elevator she was asking who everyone's attached to. Yeah, and now she feels like she's part of the group. She gets to see who Columbia is dating. Oh, this is fun. We get ah ooh backstory. Oh, they really love each other. They're <laughs>
2: like oh, they're really comfortable with each other and they're rolling around on the floor. Eddie sits up. And she's hanging onto his scarf. She pulls him she back down. She pulls him down. back in. She wasn't done. She needed more <laughs> kisses. And then they roll over and Columbia is now on
0: top of Eddie. But Meatloaf and Nell sang and danced to the same choreography at the film's 15th anniversary.
2: I know. How cute at their is reunion. that? That's they- the best. I think they could probably still do it now. Oh, I totally do not doubt that they could 100% still do this. I think
0: Nell could do it. I think she probably still practices and is like, if they need me to do it, I will be ready. <laughs> Nell does, is never unprepared. It's They're just <laughs> r- rocking and rolling all yeah. over the floor in front of everybody. They do not give a flying fart who is voyeuristically watching Riff and Magenta are not watching though they dance into the refrigerator and are doing like a similar swing dance like kind of spinning each other around Rocky is dancing with dynamic tension
2: he's doing a very um robotic kind of (laughs) flexy dance that's very strange all Uh... he knows is
0: dynamic tension that's (laughs) it he doesn't even know how to walk yet
2: Once Frank realizes that Rocky is getting into the groove, he has had enough. Mm -hmm. He is absolutely done at this point. Mm -hmm.
0: We still don't know Riff and Magenta's relationship at this point. Like if we were newbies to this movie. Yeah. They're dancing like they are attached. Like they're dating. Brad and Janet think that they may be a couple. Right. And Frank is trying to find his other half. Yeah. Now we see them dancing together. It's just so strange to find out later that they're siblings. And it's kind of, uh, it doesn't get revealed until the very end. Yeah. Very end that they're siblings. Which we will. So strange. I need to sit on that one a little (laughs) bit longer and think about it. And they're also just, like, adding to the chaos. They're so uninterested in helping Frank control any of this madness that is ensuing. They could
2: put Rocky in the elevator. No, they, they don't care. Stop because Eddie. their plan is already to take Frank down. So they're, like, by any means necessary. So if Eddie's going to be the demise of Frank, might as well let it happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Whatever gets the job done. Mm -hmm. Everyone at this point is singing Hot
0: Patootie, Bless My Soul. I really love that rock and roll. Uh, They keep repeating it over and over. It is their heart's refrain. (laughs) Honestly, like, Hot Patootie, Sex, Bless My Soul, Aren't We Lucky to Get It, and Aren't We Also So Lucky to Have Music? Yeah. (laughs) Isn't it so awesome that As a species, we have sex and music, and aren't those things awesome? He's, like, markedly talking about hooking up with a woman.
2: Yeah, it's very clear from the lyrics that he is singing about a woman. And there's no hesitation in his attraction to the female species. Like, it's not like... He wasn't singing to seduce Rocky or to seduce Brad. He was specifically going up to Columbia and Mm -hmm. Janet and Mm -hmm. singing at those two. Mm -hmm. And
0: I don't get any inkling that he's interested in Frank. Me neither. It's like he forgets Frank is there when Rocky was like running from Frank at every opportunity Mm -hmm. and trying to stay away from him. Like Eddie... He's like, who? Oh, he's there. Oh, okay. Hey. Oh, yeah, that hey. guy. Hey. <laughs> Picking up my girlfriend. See, see you later. You know? He is reminiscing about how much he loves sex and is spending his final moments literally telling everybody how he lost his virginity, mm-hmm. and he's warning to Brad and Janet, hey, guys, your first time is important. Like... Losing your virginity is significant. Don't blow your first time on someone who is not special because you will remember it forever. Good, bad, or ugly, you always remember your first time. We get four bars of instrumental with a sick ass sax solo. As the guests on the observation deck are on uh, kick line fantasy (laughs) and do their step, step, step kick dance and I love this shot because it's two different filmed moments yeah of the dance so they could fit everybody on the flat deck for one shot and fit everybody really close together and then they space everybody out for when the motorcycle is going to go up and around the ramp Mm -hmm. um but it also I like it because Did they time warp locations? (laughs) Are they shapeshifters? Maybe. Did they transport, teleport six feet apart from each other all of a sudden? I'm just saying. It's possible. It's a possibility. And Eddie picks Columbia off of him, sets her down, and gives her the most emphatically blown kiss. Yeah. Like, passionate, and like, he doesn't know
2: the next time he might see her, sort of a thing. Like a... Bye, baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Frank grabs Rocky and escorts him into the elevator and slams the gate shut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eddie
0: gets back onto his motorcycle, starts up the the engine. We get a close up of Eddie's hands first with his knuckles that say "love" across the fingers, pulling the clutch. And his headlamp turns on. We're getting this intercut with the guests in the gallery mm-hmm. doing their dancing. And then we see Eddie's other hand that says hate, uh, twisting the accelerator on the motorcycle hand- handlebar. And these tattoos are blue ink pen. Oh, yeah. 100%. Did he just write those on his knuckles when he was waiting in the deep freeze? He was just bored in there. <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> life. It's, a, it's a, a complicated split between the duality of love and hate.
2: <laughs> Why did they put his bike in there with him?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Why'd they give him a method to escape and then are like, ha ha no doors anyway. <laughs> you think you might get out, but nah, not going to get out. Because he's looking for an exit, too. He starts to make the same loop
1: that that Rocky
0: does. Yeah, of going up the ramp behind the tank and then back down behind the elevator. And he, too, does one lap, realizes he didn't miss any doors anywhere, continues to sing Hot Patootie, Bless My Soul. I really love that rock and roll. We see a close-up of Meatloaf you think he's on the motorcycle and you're looking through the
2: windshield of the motorcycle <laughs> but that's not what
0: they rigged up yeah
2: so meatloaf was really afraid of riding the motorcycle in this scene since it was like up a ramp down a ramp kind of mm-hmm. crazy He was really scared to do it. So they had not only stunt doubles actually riding the motorcycle for those shots, Mm -hmm. but the close-up shots of him were him sitting on a wheelchair with the windshield attached to the front of it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why it's so
0: close, because they can't show that there is no bike. Yeah. But you get to see his black eye, that scar, in more of a clear detail. And in one shot, it's actually mirrored. Yeah, which Frank loves his mirror images. He loves having a David and a Divad and a Mona Lisa and a Lona Misa. <laughs> like, I think it's interesting we're seeing a, a mirrored shot of Eddie going up and down the ramp. Yeah, as he's going up, the guests are reacting. In various ways, they're jumping out of his way. They're afraid they're going to get run over. Um, Even though they all practically almost mowed down Brad and Janet Mm -hmm. earlier in the evening when they were walking in the rain. Those Transylvanians. (laughs) But this stunt double that subbed in for Meatloaf was so much smaller than him. He was more of the body type of like Richard O'Brien, like a skinny guy. Yeah and he had to be padded so heavily to just resemble meatloaf's body type apparently in one of the the takes of him riding out of the elevator and down the ramp the motorcycle fell on him it was either when he was going off the the refrigerator door ramp i think that's when patricia quinn talks about it happening but it may have also happened like he rode off of the circular ramp, ramp that yeah. the, that he was actually driving on. Um, and the motorcycle landed on him. And everybody on set, like, everything stopped. Everyone was so afraid that he, like, died just died right there in front of him. Because he laid so still for, like, a solid minute, you know? <laughs> but, and then he just, like, pops up and is, like, good and fine and ready to keep going. And they're like, Ruth, are you... <laughs> Are you okay? And he was like, yeah, I was. we were just making, you
2: know, sure that I didn't break any bones and that I, I'm good to keep walking. <laughs> so while Eddie is riding around in the lab, Frank stumbles into the fridge and stops Riff and Magenta from dancing, pushes them out. Frank goes over to one of the walls where there seems to be just a bunch of champagne bottles in like a storage area. Mm-hmm. Pulls a pickaxe out of the champagne bottles, question mark, question mark? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And uh, hides it behind his back and walks back out of the freezer. And he just will not let Riff and Magenta have a good time. No.
0: Back to work, servants. Like, it's, for all intents and purposes, if this is a family reunion of sorts, Mm -hmm. this is just as much their family reunion. Like, they're kind of hosting, I get Like,
2: uh, I don't know why Frank won't let them have a little bit more of a good time. Rocky, who's in the elevator, is rattling the gates. He is, it's almost like he knows what's coming.
0: Yeah, and like, he thinks he could maybe prevent what's about to
2: occur and like, stop Eddie's slash his own death, maybe? Yeah, he definitely, it seems like he feels a connection between the two of them, for sure. But with Frank locking Rocky in the elevator
0: he knows that seals off the exit yeah and knows that if eddie knows that's the only way out sorry it's in use
2: yeah rocky's in there you can't use it sorry you can't
0: you're not gonna get over there fast enough to get rocky out of there because he doesn't put rocky in the elevator earlier he frank has the plan of okay i should have killed him After I removed half his brain,
2: gonna finish off the work I left. So Eddie rides his bike into the middle of the scene and stops. Columbia runs for him. He gets off the bike, picks her up, and swings her around and plops her down onto the seat. And she'll stay there for the rest of the scene. Yeah. Yeah, she isn't exactly
0: putting up with Frank's shit no more. Like that rose-tinted lens is maybe... Starting to fade. Yeah, like she... Eddie is not one of the Transylvanians. Like, she's been immersed in this environment. It's like he woke her up Mm -hmm. to what's really going on. Or just, like, the outside world. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah." (laughs) I have been here for a really long time. He continues to sing Hoppatootie, Bless My Soul. Everyone is singing. I really love that rock and roll. Uh, The camera tracks back in in an ultra close-up of Frank... As he walks forward past Magenta and Riff Raff, everyone kind of realizes what's happening all at once. Columbia sees Eddie seeing Frank menacingly approaching him. The camera starts to pan, and Frank is kind of just maneuvering through all of the people that have come downstairs now, because as Eddie was, you know, circling the ramp, all of the Transylvanians either jumped off of the <laughs> off the observation deck or ran to the
2: downstairs. Yeah. Frank raises up that pickaxe and we cut from that to Columbia, giving us her best Scream Queen scream, digging her nails into her face. It's Scream,
0: m- Scream, 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 Scream. Yeah. Scream. It's
2: very reminiscent of Psycho, the the shower scene in Psycho where you see it the knife come through and then you see her screaming and then you cut back to this and you don't really get to see the action you but see you see any the emotion real
0: violence occur like you don't see Frank lay the end of this pickaxe into any piece of Eddie but Columbia's reaction to it Eddie's reaction to uh, being like overpowered by Frank informs us of the like True terror of the situation. Yeah. And, yeah, totally, like, psych- psycho. Because we're get We have to... It's all up to our imagination to mm-hmm. see how bad Frank is attacking Eddie. Eddie is backing into the refrigerator. He starts crawling deeper into the fridge. And why an ice pick? Oh, it's very bizarre. Like, if there are ice cubes in the refrigerator... That Frank, like, I guess, gets ice from there. And they're in giant ice... Bl- if like he serves his drinks with ice that he's chipped off of an ice block that he keeps in the, in the lab fridge. <laughs> like, then a pickaxe makes sense. But it's also, like, that kind of uncanny thing of, like, it being such a
2: strange weapon. It's not a knife. It's not... Like a baseball bat or a meat cleaver or a machete or any of the, like, yeah. go-to, uh, you know. More slasher
0: yeah. choices of weapon. Frank allows Eddie to have this big blowout number mm-hmm. in the middle of his ceremony, in the middle of his presentation. And he doesn't interrupt him at any point or try to kill him any sooner in the number like well frank loves a a good show too yeah he loves a con with musical numbers (laughs) but it's like total mood whiplash where we're dancing and grooving and jiving and all of a sudden
2: someone's being murdered yeah we're
0: seeing someone getting Picked to death. It's so disorienting because it's done so rapidly in Mm -hmm. succession that I think people forget Eddie gets killed. Yeah, you know I think people who've only seen it a handful of times are like, "Oh yeah, that guy. Oh yeah, Meatloaf's in that movie. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot
2: Meatloaf was in that movie. You know. So we get a really nice shot of the refrigerator. Frank with his back to the camera, striking down with the ice pick. He hits the ramp door. Uh Riff Raff and Magenta are standing nearby. We get screams from Eddie. Screams from Columbia. Yeah.
0: Could be screams from Janet.
2: Yeah, honestly it's just screaming from off screen.
0: Yeah, we don't see Brad and Janet reacting at all, which is one of my great mysteries of Rocky Horror is like, why don't Brad and Janet run out of the house as soon as they're out of
2: frankenfurters. I mean, maybe they're view. maybe they're too scared at this point. Or maybe They've they don't fr- see. Do you I think mean, that I he, don't know. There's just so
0: much blood. There's so much blood. <laughs> like um Riff and Magenta are just standing there. They are not helping Eddie. They're not stopping Frank. They're not trying to interfere at all because this is all Frank's family drama. Like, ugh, of course this had to happen in the middle of the convention. Of course his dirty laundry would have to show up in the middle of the convention. Mm-hmm. Is like Riff and
2: Magenta's feeling on totally. it. Eddie just goes back into this deep freeze because... It's like his home at this point. It's yeah. where he feels the safest. So he's like, well, maybe I can go back in here and everything will be fine. But Rocky 2
0: returns to the tank yeah at the end of sword of damocles so it's like eddie realizes there's no escaping fate is what it is and at least he got to go out with a bang like Mm -hmm. with a big number frank is still holding the ice pick he's moves into the streaming cold fridge air which kind of obscures his face Before he gets obscured, he's got this slasher smile.
2: Very much Nancy from the craft,
0: like big creepy grin Uh on his face. It's almost like he's baring his teeth, like he's being aggressive. But it's also so frightening because (laughs) it's his sheer joy at murdering Eddie. Like, yeah. he's so thrilled. It's like Jack in The Shining going up the stairs. Mm-hmm. He's, like, so excited that he's, like, ah. Oh. And that someone can have that reaction to uh, be murdering, not only, like, a stranger. He
2: knows Eddie personally. Yeah. And he's murdering him. We get more shots of Columbia screaming and putting her hands to her face. Mm -hmm. There is now a river of blood on the floor between Riff and Magenta's legs. Uh, Frank stumbles forward to the entrance of the refrigerator. Caught. A little embarrassed. Mm -hmm. He drops the ice pick. Like a mic drop. Like totally (laughs) like,
0: (laughs) Just effectively ending the number. Yeah. Like that's how that song ends. And with how evenly framed everyone is right now. We've got Frank, who's the perpetrator. Mm -hmm. And then we have his accomplices, the two folks who witnessed it happening and didn't feel the need to step in. But then we also get the framing of Annabelle and Hugh Cecil Mm -hmm. at the very outside edge of the frame, you know, reminding us
2: there that it's are not, other people
0: here yeah, yeah it's not just the six people standing in a room there's like 50 people here who all just watched a guy get murdered and nobody is asking who was that guy what why everybody's you just
2: standing around not really doing anything while you still are hearing columbia screaming bloody murder from off camera Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. There's this trope
0: called break the cutie that this is part one for Columbia, where we're introduced to this sweet, lovable young girl that you root for and you want to see happy and and fulfilled. And instead, the writers just like slowly torment the character and break them apart bit by bit and make them, like, suffer horribly. Mm. Um, So, you know, Columbia's doomed. Hate to say it. In the original stage show, there's a direction that Janet is the one screaming instead of Columbia, which, which is interesting because it answers a little bit of my question of why aren't Brad and Janet concerned at all by this? And I like... The idea of Janet being terrified, not knowing what the heck is going on, Brad still being like, it's fine, Janet, we're we're just visitors here, and people just ignoring Janet because they've otherwise been ignoring Janet the whole night. Yeah, she's just been dramatic for being dramatic's sake uh-huh. the whole rest of the she's night. She's fainted four times
2: already, so they're like, oh boy, she's screaming, can't she shut up? Again, in the original script, Magenta is picking up ice cubes and placing them in an ice bucket because she's so bored with the situation <laughs> that she's finding something else to... To do. Do. Yeah. And I also think that that is hilarious because Magenta is the sass queen I've loved my entire life. Hell yeah. And if we were shadow casting this
0: scene, mm-hmm. Eddie will have gone up and down the aisles Mm -hmm. in the theater you know fun audience interaction we usually have transylvanians in the aisles doing some type
2: of hand jive with the audience to just encourage interaction Mm -hmm. they'll usually kind of chase eddie or be chased by eddie more Mm -hmm. more like it (laughs) they Mm -hmm. are chased by eddie eddie winds back up on stage And Frank will then chase him back into where he entered
1: from. Mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. And Frank is
0: so, like you said, he's like a little embarrassed that this happened in front of guests. So he explains it as one from the vaults, (laughs) describing Eddie as someone just from his past, maybe an ex Like, it's a can of worms that's not even worth going over with everybody. Like, (laughs) oh, too much history. One from the vaults. But if we were virgins and have never seen this movie before, we wouldn't know that Rocky has half of Eddie's brain. We wouldn't know that the songs are companion songs and being sung by the same... Person. uh, Brain. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It doesn't get addressed and it's so confusing like nobody
2: acknowledges acknowledges that,
0: that any of it happened and we're just moving on riff in this uh, originally was going to drag eddie's dismembered body so hacked to bits back into the fridge and frank was originally supposed to say and so perish all those who reject my love
2: So, Eddie rejected Frank. Yep. I think it gives a little too much away. (sighs) Yeah. You and I have come to this conclusion without knowing this line before. Uh Uh-huh. So, I think that it still gets the point across, but also maybe we've watched this movie too many times. Right. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Like, it would be very helpful if it were revealed
0: at that point that Frank is willing to kill people who spurn his advances mm-hmm. because that's important information. If Brad and Janet are now trapped and know that Frank will kill them if they don't want to have sex with him. Yeah. Yeah, it's it gives too much away.
2: I like it being a reveal later. Frank at this point realizes his pink rubber gloves are covered in blood and he holds his hands out for Magenta to take his gloves off of him. She reverses them, pulls them off. And at the same time,
0: we hear rattling at the elevator gate and oh, oh yeah, we forgot. Rocky's still <laughs> on the Rocky's elevator. Still here. <laughs> Frank goes, oh, baby. Which is an interesting line. He calls him a baby right after murdering Eddie, like the juxtaposition of a character just being born and a character being killed in front of our eyes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It just emphasizes the circle of life. He stumbles away from the refrigerator, and we see in the background Eddie slumped over. In the corner. Dead in the corner. And what a convenient place to hunt your prey. Yeah, you keep them chilled. <laughs> Chilled for later preparation. <laughs> Frank goes to Rocky in the elevator, opens the gate, and then leans across
2: from him because Rocky's upset. So is is Rocky upset because he's worried that Frank is going to kill him too, or is he like, hey, I know what's going on here? Yeah, like Eddie remembering Eddie existed.
0: It's not just a brain transplant. It's not just, he didn't just get million dollar man upgraded in body. Like, oh, his old body still exists. I don't like that. I don't like that you didn't tell me about this. I don't like that you didn't make me a part of this plan. And he's not a willing participant Mm -hmm. in the transplant. Rocky just is mad dogging Frank. Or he was originally going to have a line saying, oh no, my
2: little Adonis, you're much too beautiful to be destroyed. But it was changed to, don't be upset. It was a mercy killing. He had a certain naive charm, but no muscle. <laughs> the two lines are phrased a little bit differently so that it's like, instead of Frank praising Rocky, my little Adonis, to don't be upset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's saying it like Eddie
0: had misery to be put out of. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I just I just took him out back and, and shot him. Like he really was suffering. You should be you should be relieved for his sake that he's no longer suffering. When Frank is the cause of the original suffering, like he's the one who did the brain transplant. So yeah. it's not exactly the same thing. <laughs> Eddie
2: I didn't seem like he was suffering too much either because Eddie was dancing, he was singing, he was riding a motorcycle. Uh, he I seemed pretty cognitive. Yeah, it didn't seem too much like he was uh, needing to be put out of his misery. Yes. And
0: this shot is so interesting because the close-up of Frank was reshot after the entire production had wrapped. Yeah, it was post-production. They rebuilt one pink tile wall and put one wall of the elevator behind him so he could you know be framed appropriately they felt it was important enough to to keep the line in yeah and to have tim come back be in fresh full face it's got different lighting it looks a little weird like when you know that it's it was shot at a different time it does stick out a little bit Mm -hmm. that It was not all filmed on the same day. There's this great interview of Tim behind the scenes filming the movie. Yeah. Where he talks about the differences between how he performs on stage versus screen. And he talks about how you can't always use the same facial expressions because they won't translate in a big theater house. Mm -hmm. And I love that he gets the opportunity so many times in this film To do the quirky eyebrow movements and the mouth movement, he like crinkles his nose, and there's so much expression in this one frame. Like, they would be a miss if they had not
2: reshot this frame. Yeah, it's it's honestly a really good shot, and I don't think that this scene would have read the same without it.
0: Mm -hmm, mm
2: Mm-hmm. I agree. We get enough of a break of Rocky that
0: we, when we cut back to him and he flexes his muscle with that drum beat, where we all fall over, that's what it actually is. is It's like (laughs) if we all fainted, that's the collective sound of all of us fainting.
2: But it wouldn't have had that same impact if all of it was shot in that wide frame. I agree. It has... A good transition, a certain naive
0: charm. Absolutely. <laughs> he shows him his muscle. He flexes his arm. Rests it on on Frank's shoulder, which he's just so thrilled about. Frank has wanted all night to just be able to touch Rocky. And the whole time he was getting unbandaged, he couldn't catch him. Mm -hmm. And then he had to give him all of his presents so he couldn't really touch him then. And then Columbia got to oil him up and stuff. So all he's been wanting to do is play with his new toy.
2: For the Shadowcast, you have Frank and Rocky... In the same place that you've been using for the elevator mm-hmm. for Frank's reveal for all of that they're going to be in that same location
0: and you'll have Brad Janet riff magenta on like the opposite side of the stage so Frank can move toward them
3: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, if we have Transylvanians it's fun to like line them up along the front of the stage since this is all happening in the lab as a shadow cast you should feel free to play with the audience like they're your guests if you want to get creative and have frank being like walking up and down the aisles the people
2: love that sort of thing any opportunity to get close to the cast is going to really draw that connection between your audience and your performers absolutely since frank
0: was oh oh i remember i was in the middle of a number earlier i was i was in the middle of a song (laughs) he begins again but a deltoid and a bicep a hot groin and a tricep and he's just describing a top heavy guy yeah like he's not saying i like a guy with nice calves don't skip leg day guys leg day (laughs) is just important as any other day if not more important because hip flexibility is like the meat and potatoes
2: not only that but who likes a person with chicken legs frank he's
0: making eye contact with like annabelle is there and gay brown is there sadie sadie and he's telling them specifically the areas he engineered to be exactly to his taste he says it makes him (laughs) shake Makes me want to take Charles Atlas by the hand. (laughs) He uh, breaks the fourth wall again, giving us a little key in of, like, I'm still talking about Charles Atlas, guys. I want to take him by one of his body parts for sure.
2: So I feel like this totally backs up our claim that rocky is charles atlas Mm -hmm. because he's hinting again at i'm gonna take charles atlas by the hand and he does later he hooks arms with rocky takes
0: him into the bridal suite yeah It's, it's such a strange ceremony for us to be witnessing and for transylvanians to be witnessing but they're all voyeurs so
2: unsurprising i guess during these last lines, Riff and Magenta have kind of crept up behind Frank and they're kind of following him. Rocky is off in the distance, flexing again, showing off. Mm-hmm. Frank holds out his arms. Magenta and Riff take off his surgical gown they for start him. Untying all of his little ties around yeah. his apron.
0: It's at this point in the commentary, Richard O'Brien reveals it's here he knew Riff doesn't like frankenfurter very much like magenta is the domestic in this situation she's the one that helps him get undressed and that frank is somewhat demoting his lab assistant to like yeah and you also help me take off my apron it's a little demeaning poor richard he calls riff uh himself inarticulate and ugly as a character like that's how he feels
2: which Um,
0: I disagree with. Yeah and and sweet
2: Patricia Quinn also says I never thought of you that way
0: and he's like well I guess that says something about how you like see people (laughs) basically (laughs) and it's like no Riff is underappreciated he's a worker who goes underpaid and underappreciated for too long and it's a morality story about what happens when workers revolt. Brad is watching Riff and Magenta undo these apron strings and when he realizes that Frank is getting back into the lingerie he like quickly checks to see if Janet is watching which she is and he is again just like he purses his lips he shakes his head very disapprovingly like this man can't keep his clothes on. <laughs> and he's really distracting my fiance here. Frank has turned around at this point and is singing directly to Rocky. He says, In just seven days, oh baby, I can make you a meh eh and Frank starts doing his like butt kick walk dance thing <laughs> down the line. He goes, I don't want no dissension just dynamic tension like you you might protest to being my adult male sex toy
2: but i don't want to hear it i just just want muscle on muscle
0: Uh uh-huh just to (laughs) that sound that's all frank wants to do is rub skin we could not though because we paused this frame and Anthony Milner is in the background, like leaning against the pummel horse very casually. and we just like it oh, it caught us on a good one. We couldn't stop laughing about that. But Janet is getting into the groove. she she says she's a muscle fan, but is she though?
2: I think that Janet is just horny at this point. Okay, I think that she has seen. Frank in his lingerie, she has seen Rocky in his little gold booty shorts, she's been serenaded by the sultry Eddie, mm-hmm. and now she's all wound up. Mm-hmm. So at this point, she's like, you know what, I'm a muscle fan. I will, be-
0: yes. Yeah, because, yes, everyone is horny at this point. Yeah. Every Like, you've seen so many people in various stages of undress that, like, If you aren't a Muscle fan, you probably are at this point in the movie. But I also am not sure if she's just bought into the advertisement. Yeah. Literally that Frank is selling to her. Is she now wearing the rose-tinted lenses and is bought in because Frank was so... Such a good salesman. Yes. Exactly. But also... No one addressed the phone earlier. Like when Brad was like, hey listen, we've been trying to get to a phone and it turns instead into Frank making claims about his dominance. dominance Traits, right. (laughs) And that's such master manipulation because it just distracted everybody from the real question. Like at this point, I can't fault Brad because he has asked for for help at this point he's not just ignoring janet yeah and he's been ignored at this point no one has even um taken the dang saxophone from the guy
2: (laughs) yeah brad is literally still holding the saxophone that was shoved into his arms well what's he supposed to do with it like put it on the ground (laughs) put it in the tank put it literally anywhere except for in his arms no, he's just
0: told, but he does it. It keeps his arms full so he can't have his arms around Janet and he can't really get her to hush up because he <laughs> looks at her and is
2: just shocked. Yeah, the funny part about this scene, this shot to me is when Brad looks at Janet, he mouths like no (laughs) at her and it makes me laugh so hard because he is so offended
0: she rolls her eyes she looks down she's been caught she forgot that she didn't come here single (laughs) and everyone continues singing in just seven days i can make you a man dig it if you can in just seven days i can make you a man and he does his, like, his Tim Curry thing. It's just the thing that he does when he's doing the thing. <laughs> it's just so, like, masterclass performer. He has so much attitude as Frank Inverter, even though he just murdered a guy. Like, we're watching this, and we get re-charmed by him in, I think, 30 seconds
2: flat. During this last line, Frank makes... Eye contact with Rocky, gives him this little smirk. Rocky's facial expression does not change, by the way. Nope. Like, stays 100% the same the entire time. Mm -hmm. Frank grabs his arm, hooks it around his. And then Riff and Magenta, we cut to just after they've
0: pulled a couple ropes to open the curtain that was behind Frank's podium and microphone earlier, revealing a bridal suite. Done out in black silk. It's got everything in there. It's got like yeah. an atlas stained glass window. R N F monogrammed pillows on the bed. That's a canopy bed. Mm-hmm. With candelabras on either side. I love an evenly framed shot. I am a stan of them. Can't help it. <laughs> uh, because we also have those two statues of David that have nail polish and and lipstick lipstick
2: on and there's even nail polish on their toes Uh uh-huh
0: and Columbia is still sitting on Eddie's motorcycle she's is like her facial expression changes very subtly and you have to be
2: paying very good attention to notice she's a little bit upset still Mm -hmm. because I mean obviously her boyfriend just got murdered Mm -hmm. but she also genuinely cares about Frank and his well-being, so she is happy mm-hmm. for Frank, because now... This in is the, the po-
0: experiment they've been working on. Yeah. she's. This is what they've all been waiting for. Like, she's happy
2: to see the success. Well, not only that, but also at this point in this song, it has started to change into the literal bridal march. The... Mendelssohn's Bridal yeah. March. Yeah. Yes. And
0: she starts to just like get bummed out again because it's like she realizes oh man the guy i liked he's not even here anymore like whoa she starts to you do see a change in columbia um frank and rocky walk forward uh rocky's kind of hobbling forward between the two lines of guests who are throwing confetti at them and shouting their approval Rocky, Rocky, rah, rah, rah. Rocky, Rocky, rah, rah, rah. Just as Rocky and Frank enter the bridal chamber, the curtains begin to close, and just before they seal, Frank hops into Rocky's lap, straddling him, and... That's it. That's it. That's all of our, uh, that's our section for today. That's our... With that gong, <laughs> the Transylvanians are out of there. Say goodbye to the Transylvanians. They
3: mm-hmm.
0: will not be coming back. We will miss you guys. If you were a shadow casting Transylvanian, now is when you get to go sit and watch the rest of the movie and enjoy your time. Go get a beer from the lobby. Yeah. <laughs> we have a couple of really awesome voice memos this week from a couple of our listeners. I was talking about facial expressions earlier, but I'll let Rose talk about it a little more.
3: Hello, my name is Chloe Rose, and I'm also known as Rose Scribs on Instagram and TikTok. So what I do on my platforms are mostly just creating Rocky Horror content, whether it's drawings, animations, or cosplay. I've been using Rocky Horror as a creative source for a bit over a year now. I mostly redraw frames from the movie, but even then, I love exploring my style with each drawing that I do. And the thing I love drawing the most, though, are the characters. They're just so special and unique to me, and I try to capture that every time I draw them. Especially Frank's and Magenta's facial expressions they're just so expressive with their face and I try to capture that and their emotions that they're feeling in that moment and that doesn't go for like just them it's literally every single character like they all have their differences I just love the fact that it brings out creativity in people too like not just me drawing or cosplaying like it goes for everybody whether it's like fan art like I do, making costumes, writing stories, making theories on it is just so diverse. And it's so cool to have something like that as a creator or just as a person in general. It really brings out confidence in people, which I really admire. It's just such a fun thing to be a part of and to be in. And then we have a voice memo from Taylor with her
0: unique experience with Rocky Horror.
1: Hi, my name is Taylor Tower. I am from New Jersey, a little town in New Jersey. Um, I directed Rocky Horror once before in my life. I was a former Columbia, and now I'm working on a theater company that puts on an annual production of Rocky Horror Um, every year around Halloween my first experience with Rocky Horror was the Glee episode which I know is super embarrassing but you know I was a freshman in high school and I just wanted to be Rachel Berry and you know I liked being in the know I liked being relevant with Glee and so you know when they released this idea of this Rocky Horror Glee show I had no like absolutely no idea what it was about I come from a household that doesn't talk about sexuality or you know the queer community my parents are kind of reserved in their viewpoints on that and so when this glee episode came out i remember asking my parents if i could watch it you know my mom knowing nothing about it said sure i don't care why not and i just remember the minute tim curry takes off his cape i was like what is this and how are they going to do this on glee and i was just like I was so shocked because I never saw a man in drag before. I, I truly think like Rocky Horror was my first introduction to men and women's clothing and the idea that, you know, gender is this construct, but you know, I didn't know that at the, like at the age of what, like 13, I was just like, this is so bizarre. It wasn't until my senior year of high school really, there was a animal, or there was a production, um, in a town or two over from mine, and it was my my boyfriend and I at the time were like, I said we should just go, we should just go, it's gonna be fun. I've never seen a shadow cast, um, so I didn't know what to expect, and this was like the live theater production. People were dressed up, they had props, and oh my god, it was just a night I will never forget. You know, I went back the following year to see it again, and then you know, as I got into college there was always just, like, this thought in the back of my mind, like, I want, I love the show, I need to do the show. In a weird way, Rocky Horror is home to people. Um, I think people can find, like, kind of find acceptance in this community where, you know, sure, the movie doesn't make sense, or the music's not, like, top-notch, or, you know, whatever, but it allows your inner unconventional conventionalist out like you 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 can come as you are and there's a place for you in rocky horror there's always a you know a a home for you and we
0: love getting these voice memos because we're getting such good like conspiracies and opinions that are helping us inform the research that we're doing Mm -hmm. and the kind of bigger, I guess, thesis statement that we're trying to answer, <laughs> you know. If you guys want to send us voice memos, like our DMs on Instagram are open. Yes. Uh, or you could always email us them at timewarpradiopod at gmail.com.
2: Follow us on Instagram at Time Warp Radio. You can also find us on Twitter. That's right. We have finally joined the Twitter realm. We are... Time Warp Rad Pod our Facebook is Time
0: Warp Radio Podcast and our blog spot is timewarpradio.blogspot.com we'll be posting a bunch of meatloaf that is where I will post my meatloaf recipe (laughs) there we go
2: I finally know where to put it you know I do have a really good meatloaf recipe that I got from a Disney princess recipe book so maybe we'll share that one heck yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) But we will see you guys next time. And don't forget, on on Wednesdays, Wednesdays, we we watch watch Rocky. Rocky.
2: Bye. Bye. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us out, and we appreciate all your feedback.
1: We'll see you next time.